Now, it's really good to be here, and, and uh, just I'm so grateful to the Lord. And, and uh, you know, of course, you know, pastoring, you, you kind of are, your heart's thinking about everything back home and, and the church and everything. And uh, so, you know, <clears throat> my mind's going a little bit here and there. But I've got something I want to share with you today I think is really important. Russ has been talking to you guys about things that uh, God's mad about, right? What was the last thing he told you God's mad at? What? Flat tires? No. Oh, liars. False? False False teaching. Okay. The rest of you are like... (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I want to talk to you for a little while, and there is something I do want to share with you uh, this morning. So turn with me to the book of Jonah. It is in the Old Testament. If you're in the book of Revelation, turn hard to your left. If you're in Isaiah, turn to your right. You're almost there. Uh, if you're looking at your bulletin, you need to put that down and open your Bible. We're going to look for a little bit. I want to just uh, speak to you about what I think is really important. You know, we've been in, our, in the church where I pastor, Four Winds Assembly over in Browning. Uh, we have been, over the last uh, almost month, a little over a month and a half, we have been looking at the minor prophets as well. So when Russ, Russ and I started talking, it was really interesting uh, just how God has been directing our attention to look at some of the things God did to say through the, God was saying through these minor prophets. Uh, I've told our people they're, they're called minor prophets not because they're like the B squad and then Isaiah and Daniel and Jeremiah, those are the A squad. It's just that the content of their message was a little bit shorter. And so we would call them minor prophets. But what they had to say was really important. And I think a lot of times when we read our Bibles, we don't think to read Obadiah and, you know, all those little small books. We just, oh yeah, they're there. And then we quickly go to Matthew or wherever. But there's something that, that uh, God has to say to us today uh, through Jonah. And so I want, to, um, I want us to look at Jonah chapter 3 and we'll read this together. The scripture says in Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time and said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. And this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, and Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And then God saw what they had done, when he saw what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways. He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for, Lord, always it's just uh, an honor to stand 
uh, before your people, Lord, and, and to teach and preach. And Lord, I, I need you today. I can't, I can't do this without you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help me. Pray, Lord, that you would help your people to hear right now, Lord God, that, you would, that your anointing would be upon my life and today they would forget about what they, what they see up here and they would just hear your voice. And Lord, when they walk out, Lord, we'll all be able to say together that it was good to be with God. That we'd forget about the things that distract and the little things that get our attention. And for just this brief moment, we would just hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that you would help me to say only that and nothing more. And that, God, you would accomplish what you desire to accomplish. Jesus, be glorified in Connect Church today. Lord, touch our lives in a way that leaves us different because we've been here this morning. And everybody said amen. You know, Jonah is one of those books I, I just, I love Jonah. And uh, because there's so much that, that is there that, you know, we, we, we maybe read really quickly through. We don't kind of pay, pay attention to it. We just kind of see it. We know a little bit of the story. Like, for example, in Jonah chapter 1, uh, God talks to him. Jonah, he's a prophet. And uh, in other words, he's somebody that speaks for God. God talks to him, gives him assignment. He says, Jonah, arise and go to this city of Nineveh. And you would think that Jonah would go, but Jonah does the exact opposite. He goes another direction. And as he begins this process, he goes down, he buys a ticket to get on a, a boat heading toward the exact opposite direction to Tarshish. And as he gets on the boat, he goes down to the lower deck and, and he falls asleep. And, and while he's there on the boat, a storm comes that the Bible says God sent. And here's Jonah uh, sleeping in the bottom of this thing. And as a storm, these, these uh, seasoned fishermen are fighting this storm, fighting it for their lives, praying to their God, crying for help. It's, it's interesting that here's this man of God below sleeping. And the first thing that I always think about is when I read this is, Lord, am, am, is the world crying while I'm sleeping? Are they crying out for help? Are they asking for someone and here I am to sleep? Because that's where Jonah is. And we might ask ourselves the same question today. You know, is the world crying for us? But are we so busy with what we want and our agenda and our, our direction, what we think is right, or what we don't want to do, that we find ourselves in the process, here we are living the good life, and the world is crying for what we have. They need help. Sobering thought. It's easy. And, and the, the other thing is that, you know, we can try to run from the things that God asks us to do. But the truth is, is that God's bigger than what Jonah's theology allowed him to believe. Which at that time, he believed that the God of Israel stopped at the border of Israel. And so if I run away, then, then I run away from God. But how many of you guys realize that when you run away from God, you just run into him? Because you can't escape God. I mean, have you ever been in a church where, maybe not this one, because this is a wonderful place, but have you ever been in a church where maybe someone's there, and they just, they just, you know, you've been good friends, and then all of a sudden something happens, and then you just have this thing there. Pretty soon, you're like, you know, I just can't deal with Sally anymore. I mean, she's always, yeah, 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 yeah. And every time she comes to church, she's always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I just don't want to go there. 
I'm going to go to another church because I just need to get away from there. I can't grow. I'm so distracted by her and her attitude and all this stuff. And, and God's trying to do something in you, so you go to this other church. And so you walk in there, and, the, and you love the worship, and you're listening to worship. And all of a sudden, you hear somebody that sounds like Sally. You don't realize you can't run away from Sally. Sally lives everywhere. Has anybody ever figured that out yet? That I, it takes us a while to realize you can't run from stuff like that because there's a purpose in it. Well, he runs, and he can't, run, he can't run, outrun God. So here's a storm. The guys are praying, and then it's, it's crazy because they care more about him than he cares about them because they ask him, Jonah, who are you? You know, why aren't you praying? He said, well, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an Israeli. I'm Hebrew. I worship the living God. And I'm a prophet, and I'm running from God. So you're the problem. And then they, they, they ask, what should we do? And you know what he says? Send, throw me overboard. He'd rather drown than pray for them, than pray. Have you ever been in a place where you're so frustrated with God that you'd rather drown than pray? You love God, but you're upset. There's something going on. It's Sunday. Yeah, well, I haven't got my elk. I'll just be out there. He's not going to pray. So they, they ask God, please forgive us for what we're about to do. And they throw him overboard. He drops underneath the surface of the water. They don't see him ever again. As far as they know, that's the end of the story. We don't know what happened to Jonah. But they were converted to God through that particular act. As they dropped him under, unaware to their sight, God was at work. And God had a fish that he prepared a long time ago waiting for Jonah. And the fish would swallow him. Here's another lesson. Sometimes we labor in prayer and we work we reach out to people and we don't know that anything's happening. But you can't always see what God's doing in the lives of people. Sometimes you think that those people don't even care, don't even have a thought about God. They're not even thinking about God. But then we're going to learn this lesson even more when we get to Nineveh. That here was a whole city that God had been working in their hearts. Yes, they were sinners. Yes, this was a terrible place. The, the people of Nineveh, they had a, they had a horrendous uh, reputation far and wide. They had done things to, to Jonah's family and his people and his tribe. And, but there was a people that God had been dealing with. Their hearts were ready to hear what Jonah was going to have to say. So much so that when Jonah walks in that city and he does finally get there, that when Jonah just simply begins the process of walking through the city, and it's going to take three days to walk through the circumference of the city, that as he begins to preach, repent, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overturned, that they receive him and his message quickly. And the whole place repents. There, this was probably one of the greatest Moves of God in history. A whole city was ready. And Jonah never wanted to go. 
Isn't that interesting? God was working in their hearts. But Jonah didn't know that. And those fishermen didn't know what God was doing in Jonah's life. Don't ever look at people and, and think that God may not be at work. 27 years of pastoring, going to be 28. A lot of times you would think that these people aren't even thinking about God. And we have no idea how many nights they may be up late, laying on their pillow with thoughts about God and about the need to change. That was me. When I was a young man, I grew up in Billings, and you would have never thought that I thought about God. I partied all the time. I got in fights with people. I just did whatever. I, I got in a lot of trouble in Billings. You would have, If I would have walked in the party, I was the kind of guy that, I have a big person, I talk loud, I cry loud, I burp loud. <laughs> I'm just a loud person. Anybody know anybody like me? Where's the rest of the loud people? Where are my loud people? Okay, the rest of you leave. <laughs> no, we need you. <laughs> but um, that's how I am. I, but just I've always been that way. And uh, if you would have saw me on the outside, you would have never realized what was happening in my life. My mother was a Christian praying for me. I remember specifically one night so sick so sick of drinking just all the junk. I remember sitting in the alley in our, where we lived in Billings, 315 Lewis, right by the garbage can. I walked home from the bar. I didn't want to stay anymore. I asked my friend, take me home, man. I'm, I'm done. He's like, we just got started. It's 10 o'clock. Well, I'll walk. I found myself in the back of our house, sitting by the garbage can, looking up into the sky and crying out to a God I didn't know. And I asked him, I said, if you're real, I need help. This world is more ready than you and I realize to hear what we have to say. It's just knowing how to say it and what to say and what not to say. So Jonah, you know, here he goes, you know, he's running and he doesn't want to go, and, but God, God has this fish for him. Now the fish that swallows Jonah, he will be in for three days. And I want you to understand that the fish is not it's not punitive. It's not God's judgment. It's God's mercy. The fish will save his life. Right? Thank God for fish. <laughs> Thank God for those moments when we hit the end of the rope in our life and those become those, those crossroads where we kind of come to terms with us and God. Thank God for jails and and, and hospitals, and sometimes sickness, or whatever it is, or a broken relationship that finally gets us to the point where we say, okay, God, I need you. 
Whatever it takes, God, thank you. It was what saved my life. You know, sometimes we look at those things and we curse them and we don't realize how they work, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. All things work together for the good. Them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes it's that one thing that keeps us from a wayward path, a destructive, a self-destructive way, something about us. We're going the wrong way. We're doing the wrong thing. But God in his love and his mercy. You know what? I had a kind of a catharsis one day a, a few weeks ago. I was in the morning praying, and I was, and I was just thanking God in the morning. We have a, at our church, we do prayer every morning, uh, 7 o'clock every morning, Monday through Friday. And we have a little place. We kind of create a prayer room with a nice fire, wood, wood fire stove. So we go in there and and we cook up our coffee, and there's about five or six guys that meet me, and every morning we pray. And this one particular morning, we're just, I was just walking, and I walked out of the room, and I began to walk, and I began to thank God, not asking him for stuff, just thanking him. Lord, thank you for everything in my life. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done. Thank you, God. Thank you for all. And it was almost like in that moment, now I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I'm 50 years old, I'm going to be 51. Look at the person next to you and say, that guy's kind of young still. He still looks good. Eh? <laughs> say it by faith. <laughs> you got to do it. But I, I, it was almost like I had this thought, you know, because I've, sometimes we have a tendency to look at our life and we look at all the troubles that we've gone through. I mean, that's what Jacob did. Remember when Jacob meets Pharaoh for the first time and he comes in the land and he comes walk in the room. Joseph wants to, or, uh, he wants to introduce his father and he says, this is my dad. And he's leaning on his staff and he said, who are you? I'm, I'm Jake Israel. And I've lived this many years and my life's been hard. Sometimes we look at our life that way. You ever done that? It's been hard. Sometimes you say, well, I've been married for 30 years. We had a few good years. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's been great. But sometimes we get our focus on those things, those painful moments. And it was like in that little moment, God stretched out my life for me in just a snapshot and you know what I saw? I saw his hand in every turn, in every area of my life. He was always there. He had never left me. He'd always been looking out for me, always interested in the good, always working in spite of my decisions and my stuff. I'm going to realize sometimes we go through trials and sometimes we're just experiencing consequences. Right? There's a big difference between a trial and a consequence. A trial has to do with I'm serving God and somebody don't like me and I'm doing my best, I'm loving them. And then a consequence has to do with me just being a bonehead and people are mad at me and I think, well, the world's against me. I just need to rebuke the devil from this person. <laughs> Maybe you need to lighten up. <laughs> you caused some issues there. Big difference. Are you guys with me so far this morning? Look at the person next to you. This guy's okay so far. He's okay. So, you know, I saw this thing that God had been working in my life. And, 
He's working in the life of Jonah. You know, I, 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 I am so attracted this, to this story because I see a loving God just so desiring to do good things in the life of Jonah. And Jonah can't always see that. Like you and I, and sometimes we fight against our maker. We're like the clay telling the potter, no, you got it all wrong. You got to do it this way because I know what's right in this situation. And the truth is the potter says, no, you got it all wrong. Let me fix you. Let me help you because I know what I'm doing. And when I'm done, it's going to be a wonderful thing. It's going to be a beautiful thing I make in your life. Just let me work in you. That's where you're supposed to say amen. That was the amen spot. You missed it. Oh, you're fun. So, here's Jonah. He gets out the, the he he has this prayer of surrender. It takes him three days in the, in the belly of a fish. I'm claustrophobic. I mean, can you imagine being in that fish with the gastric juices and the seaweed and the smell? You ever been around somebody who ate and they just had that burp on you? That thing that's like, leave my house in Jesus' name. You and your halitosis spirit be gone. (laughs) You ever had that? He's in it for three days, man. And you can't get anywhere else. It's like, I can't breathe. (laughs) I mean, he's in this place. And he probably thinks he's dead. And then he realized, I'm not dead yet. Kind of like, how many of you guys ever watched that old movie, Little Big Man? Anybody? You guys don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? I could be talking Greek, and they're like, yeah. That's a whole story. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, Little Big Man is a story, uh, is a movie they made in the late 70s. It was, uh, no, early 70s. Uh, who was in that? Um, that's the thing you knew. You liar, <laughs> God hates liars. <laughs> so anyways, there's an old man, the grandpa, who raised little big man. And at the end of the movie, he's always talking about how it's time to die. And they walk up the hill together. And so they go up there, and grandson, you know, it's time. And he, he sings his, you know, his death song. And he talks about how, it was, it's amazing. You ought to check that out again, Google it. That whole death song, and he talks about life. He gives his life, so I'm going to give my life up now. He lays down. He's laying there, and he's supposed to be dead. And so Dustin Hoppe is just kind of staring at him. And he's laying there, and then all of a sudden it starts raining. And you see the raindrops hitting his face. <laughs> he opens his eye. He said, Grandfather? Am I dead yet? <laughs> no, Grandfather, it's raining. Ah, shucks. I knew it was that way. (laughs) Oh, well. You know, imagine this guy's in the belly. He thinks he's dead. He's not dead. And then he has this thing where he finally kind of says, okay, God, okay, God, whatever you want. And he says, your will be done. I'll do what you want me to do. Makes promises to God. As soon as he gets his heart in the right spot, God speaks to the fish, vomits him up. Now, you gotta, you got to just really think about what this is happening. you got to really think about this story. It's amazing. What do you think that the gastric juices that break down 
did on his skin for three days. He comes walking out of there. He's got about a 100-mile walk between him and Nineveh. And he's walking down the road. Yeah. He was probably as dark as me, but then after that, he was as light as you. And it didn't, and it didn't make sense. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't make sense. And he's walking down. And then he walks into Nineveh, and he begins to start speaking. I'm going someplace with this, so follow me. He has the message, he tells them, and the whole city responds. We talked about God working in people's hearts. But here's the thing, that God wanted him to go there. It was very important because Jonah was perfect for the task. Jonah had been prepared to do it. Have you ever thought that there's a language issue between these people and, jo- and, and the Hebrews? Jonah spoke their language. His past experience of coming out of death and almost dying. He understood some things. When he walked in there, he was the right person in the right place for the right time. And they responded to him. Do you think that the God, the sovereign God of the world, looks at our life in the same way. We just happen to live on planet Earth right now. This place right here. You are who you are on purpose. I used to pray that I was related to Don Cornelius on Soul Train. Because I wanted, I wanted to, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be black because black, beautiful baby. And, you know, I did, I, did, I did. And my dad used to always tell me, he'd say, that's your uncle, Joel, because that's my last name, Cornelius. And I'd say, well, that's my uncle. He never gives us no money around Christmas time. What's up with that? <laughs> what kind of uncle is that, you know? Just, but uh, my, I realize my life experiences, everything I've gone through, everything you have gone through is part of what God is going to use right now to touch people. Everything. Everything. Now, all my life, I, I grew up in Billings uh, I, I, until I was 19. I left home. I, I was raised Roman Catholic. I, I come from a family where Native Americans, but we're probably the most assimilated family that I know of. And uh, my brothers are doctors or lawyers, all this kind of stuff, uh, college uh, professors. And then here's me. I'm, I was the black sheep in the family, so I'm the pastor. Everybody else is, uh, but that's, my, that's what God, God knew what he was doing. I mean, I kind of realized that I am a quirky person. You saw that video. Who does that kind of stuff? You got, I mean, things just happen. I, I don't, I, but God uses who you are for a particular thing. Well, I, you know, I remember when I, when I gave my heart to God and, and uh, I was living in Durango at the time and um, a guy comes up to me and says, God's called you to your people. Well, I didn't even know who my people were. Because my identity, even though I'm Native American on the outside, my identity was just whatever. I mean, I was in the KISS Army, you know. That, I don't even, does anybody know what that was? 
No, a couple of you rolled your eyes. You were charter members. Yeah, <laughs> were with me. I didn't even know. And so God's doing something, though. And, you know, so he sends me. I, I marry my wife. We get saved. We go into the inner city. We start working in Phoenix. I'm working with Native people. And eventually, that's kind of what I've always gone through. And it's like kind of being where I've always been. Now, I'm going to share something a little different for, with you, this, this, this second service in this morning, because this is very, very current in my life. I met Russ about uh, four, eight, nine years ago. About nine years ago? About nine years ago. Nine or ten years ago. We both served in the same staff in Great Falls. I have always, always wanted to be with everybody. I never just wanted to be painting in the corner and just be an Indian and with Indian people. I love people everywhere, no matter where I go. And that's always been my heart. When I went to Central, that was the, the goal of the church at the time, was to become this body that represented a, a, just a swath of everybody in Great Falls, whoever and whatever, and they're, they're worshiping together. And that was my heart. Still has been in my heart. When that began to change, uh, it broke my heart. And so I left Great Falls. And I was frustrated. And I'd had people come up and, and, you know, shake your hand there saying, you know, hey, brother, man, I just see God doing something in you. And, you know, I could just see you doing this and, and building bridges between Native and non-Native people. And, and it's going to be exciting what God has in his plan for your life. And, and I had been thinking that for a long time. I just felt that everything about my background, everything about how I was raised, everything all pointed to that one direction. And it just seemed like it wasn't going to be. I had a dream before I left Central. I was, two, two dreams that were like cryptic to me. One, the first one I won't share with you. The second one, I was walking underneath a street. And I had an anchor tied to me. It was a, a, a cloth, white cloth. And I could see light coming through the gutters. But there was water dripping down. And there was... Pipes, copper pipes, where, you know, gas and different things are underneath the street. The anchor would, as I was walking, I was trying to find a way to get up above the street. And everything about me, I was just so frustrated. I couldn't find a ladder. I couldn't get up there. I couldn't get there. And so I would, it would get caught on something. I'd go back, pick it up, and then I'd drop it, and I'd start walking again. I woke up from that dream just praying and I was just crying and I didn't know, it just had an effect on me. And I felt like, you know, Lord, this dream was one of those things where you give a dream. It's not because of too much pizza. It's it's a God dream. And it, it was something you're trying to tell me. That anchor I knew wasn't a chain. It was tied to me. I knew God put it there. I didn't know how to get above. And everything where the light was at, I felt like I was underneath this thing. When I left Central, I, le- I, I grew up in Montana. I'm, I'm, I'm a Montana boy, guy, old man, whatever you want to call me. I grew up here. I, I know this state. I don't know every corner. But 
I left and we went to Seattle. We went to the Seattle area. And, we're gonna, and my dream was to plant a multicultural church because I felt like, well, if it's not going to happen in Montana, and God, you've been saying this to me in my life, well, then I'm going to, maybe I just need to take a step of faith and just and step out and see what you're going to do. So God, if this is not right, stop me, but I'm going. And so I left. And I went there, went to a church, spent eight months there. Eight months felt like 18 years. And it was just miserable. And I was just broken by it. And the dream that I'd had in my heart died with me. And I can't tell you all the dynamics of it, the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, but it felt like it's not going to happen. I don't know, God. Maybe I didn't hear. And God, in his love, sent me back here to Montana, the very place that I ran from, here. Now, I, I'm talking to you for a little bit about territory and location because location is important with God. Where we are at any given moment is important. It's just not, don't let it be random any more than just going to any old church. You gotta know where God wants you to be, Right? Because there's some things that God's going to do in your life as you're in the right place. It's very important to God. Not that we just kind of whatever and fall wherever. We need to say, God, where do you want me to be? How do I fit in this? And what is it you're going to accomplish in my life? And what do you want to do? How are you going to grow me? So the Lord sent me back here. Didn't realize I was supposed to be here a long time ago. But, you know, we come into stuff after the fact. And so... I'm in Kalispell, my stuff is loaded up, I'm, I'm broken, and, and uh, Hope Stewart called me, who is the former pastor's wife who planted the church in Browning, called me up and said, Joel, I just want to talk to you now because God wouldn't let me tell you a long time ago, but I'm going to tell you now. I, uh, Richard and I met you in 1992, we were coming in, we were itinerating, and the Lord spoke to our hearts, we were supposed to plant a church in Browning. I had felt back then that God said to me, that you're going to plant a church that one day Joel is going to pastor. And then when you left Montana in 1993, and you went down to Phoenix, and then you went to North Dakota, you weren't ever going to come back. I was so ticked at you. Because it's like, you're not doing what God wants you to do. And every time I saw you, I was mad at you. I said, well, yeah, I kind of knew that hope. You know, I knew. I knew. And she said, well, now I just want to let you know you're finally home. And I wanted to say, whatever. <laughs> Because I'm not there in my heart yet. I'm hurt. My dreams have died. And so I, I go into the church, and, I'm, and, and, and I would sit there, and I'm almost done, guys. And I would sit in the fellowship hall. And I opened my laptop, and I thought, well, I just need to start planning, God. What do you want? Whatever you want to do. And so I started working on a year schedule. And then it just hurt to think about it. Because I felt so disappointed that I was... I was in Browning, and I never wanted to be here again. I wanted to leave Montana and never come back. Anybody ever felt like that? Just a few of you. The rest of you are like, man, I tried to get here. You're trying to leave? What's up? <laughs> it's not, it, so I, uh, I said, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I have nothing to offer. I, I'm broken inside. I can't think. I I don't know why you got me here right now. I've never felt like this before in all these years of ministry. 
and he spoke to my heart and said, I brought you here to heal you. And then you're, God, I'm going to heal these people here. In the last three years, I have never thought about cross-cultural ministry that much since then. It's like it just died in me. And I was like, okay, well, I'm back to the reservation. I'm back with my people. And this where I'm supposed to be, other than when I come here and I preach at other places. And it just died. Two weeks ago, a guy named Chuck Pierce came to Browning. The pastor asked me to come and said, Joel, can you show up, please? I just really think you need to be there. It's like, okay. I, have, I had made up in my mind about, about three months ago. And I told our church people, I said, guys, I just want you to know that I love it here now. I never saw how I would feel because God's been healing me here. I absolutely love you. And I, I hope that this is my last pastorate. That I just finish here. And I never wanted to think, I, and, so I, I, and I mean that, but I never wanted to think about other things anymore. And then Chuck starts this meeting by saying, this is very important. You're here on purpose. And he said, my daughter over there, she never travels with me. And she called me when she found out I was coming to Browning of all places. She lives in New York. And said, Dad, I feel like God wants me to go to Browning with you. Can I go? And he said, sure. So she bought the ticket, flew to Kalispell, drove over to Browning. A lady from Lewistown then uh, raised her hand and said, can I say something, please? She comes walking to the front and looks at the daughter and said, I bought this book on eBay because it belongs to your dad and I wanted to read it. But she said when I bought it, it came to me. I opened the cover and there was a personal message from your father to you. And she said, this is yours, not mine. It belongs to you. And she gave it to the daughter and the daughter began to break down and cry. Then Chuck turned to the audience and it was like he was talking to me. And he said, the Lord is going to give you back what you thought was lost. He's going to restore it to you. I sat there for the rest of the meeting, just I couldn't move. I didn't even know if I wanted to embrace that. I went home and I told Sharon, I said, Sharon, this is what he said. Because she said, what did he say? I mean, you kind of look kind of shook up. And I told her, what he had said, they said, honey, I don't even know if I want to think that anymore. But if it's what God wants, it's what I want. Whatever he wants. But I don't even know that I want to dream that anymore because that died in me. But I realize that when there comes a vision that God gives to you, there's a birth and there's a death and there's a resurrection to something that God's going to do in your life. And I believe that God may want to resurrect some things in our life. I want you to know, Sharon, I really believe God has a specific plan and a calling and a purpose on our children and our lives and where we are. The location is very, very important that we wanted to run from Montana. But God sent us back, airmailed us to Montana because there's something great 
great and powerful and significant what God wants to do to bring healing to the state of Montana and to our cities. That's, that's the amen point again. You need to say amen. It's very, very important. When Jonah's running, Jonah did not want to go there. But there's something God's going to do in Jonah through the task. He didn't want to go because these were people that were hated. But they needed him. And he needed them. And he knew their language. But he did not want to be there. And so the Lord knew also, Jonah, you need to understand my heart. I love everyone. And so I'm going to help you to know my heart. Come with me. And let's love them together. He never saw success in his life and ministry like he would Nineveh. But his heart never embraced the call. And so he was angry about it. He never saw so many people turn to God. It was not the place he wanted to be. You may be in a place you hate where you work. The people around you are... They curse, they're ungodly, they're mean. And you pray all the time, God, give me a new job. Send me someplace else. And the Lord would have you know that maybe what they need is you. Not the angry you, but the you that's like Jesus, who would lay down his life for a world. And let them crucify him. So they could live. And so I'm kind of getting it now in my life. It's not about me, God. It's all about you. And the things that we want sometimes, those things might be the things that could destroy us. And the safest place for me or you or anyone to be is following God and loving Him. Are you with me so far? It's really quiet, but I know you're hearing me. Because this is what the Lord wants you to know. It's interesting that this changed a little bit from the morning. You said it right, Russ. And right before service, I just met this sister and she talked to me about some calling and some thing in her life that she had thought was dead. And the Lord's specific word was to go back to Nineveh. And he's going to restore everything. He's going to restore it all. Because he's not a liar. He's not a man. And there's timing. And there's seasons. His location and the people that are around us are part of it. You guys are part of my journey. Russ, you've been part of my journey since day one. Not since day one. I mean, I, you know, that's like way back to the crib. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for the last eight years, your pastor has been a, an encourager to me. And him and his wife are some of the most unique people. You guys know that. They love God. They love one another. They're funny. I like, I just like watching them and laughing. Chris and I used to always talk with a lisp when we were at Central. How's everything going today? It's super swell. 
You know, <laughs> we do that all the time. Just do different st- stuff, and we'd do whatever. And, and Russ would talk to me at times, and he'd just talk to me about dreaming. And he'd share his dreams, and I'd dream about things that were maybe were bigger than me. But maybe that's what we need to do is if it's bigger than us, then it's got to be something that God wants because if, it's, if I can imagine it and I can do it on my own, then it's probably not from God. So I'm really curious now because the Lord sent me back here and I ran from some stuff. And I know I'm in Browning, but I don't feel like I'm just in Browning. Because wherever I go, I'm Native American. This is my land, bro. <laughs> so I can walk around, and I feel like I'm at home all the time. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching in Missoula or wherever. It always feels the same as right here. I feel like I'm at home. And I speak your language. Spreaking the Deutsche. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I just, I just heard it on a movie. <laughs> But I know that there's something unique we share as people in this area. And we understand each other. God fit me right for Browning. I'm going to close with this. I want the team to come on up. I, want to sh- I-, I wish I could make you hear it loud. Promise me you won't laugh till after. I'm in, one of the things I do in Browning is I'm a disc jockey. And that's strange. I mean, I'm a pastor. But they asked me, is there like a, a, a mic I could just, oh, there it is. Sweet. Is this live? Okay. And someone asked me, they said, you know, stop. I didn't talk to you yet. And uh, so I started doing this thing. I preach the gospel on the radio. I get to preach the gospel on the radio. And, but I get, I, I'm so goofy. And so I get to do this Sunday morning thing. Every morning is called Good Morning Jesus. And from 8 to 9, I just play worship stuff and uh, pull a message off one of somebody's or mine. I just preach to people. And, uh, and we need it big time. But it's so cool. And, I'm, I mean, I was not raised native, but there's, like, stuff about me. I can get it. So watch. This is, what I, this is, this is one of my little bumpers for my radio program. I'm on the radio every Thursday and Friday and Monday, so. Growing up a red man in this world has not been an easy path to walk on. Many times I have looked out and seen the grass, and I've thought to myself, hey now, someone needs to mow that lawn. (laughs) I've also thought many times, over these 28 winters, summers that I have learned many things, some good, some not so good, but the one thing I have learned is Thunder Radio is a good place for a red heart to be, it is a place where our grandfathers would tell us to go, it is a straight path for us to walk upon, and so I encourage you this day to tune in to this radio station. Change it. Do not go to another place. For the country radio station is the white man's way. (laughs) This is not our way. Oh, from my heart to yours.
you have no idea how deep the rabbit hole goes with this guy. <laughs> but I realize that there's, there's a u- uniqueness to each one of us. God has made you who you are. He's, there's no mistake. You are perfect. And he's going to use everything you've gone through, if you'll let him, to be part of what he's going to do as you speak to people about him. They're ready. They're ready to hear you. All you have to do is be willing. Jonah finally went, when he went, a whole city turned around. Can you imagine if you just reached out to your neighbor, the one that you have lived by for 15 years but don't know their name, and just got to know them? And maybe begin to share what God's done in your life and how he's helped you. Or maybe to your friends at school or your roommate at college. Or maybe to go to that person like Jonah had to go to the Ninevites who were terrible people to his own family and reach out to his enemy. That's easy to talk about. But it's a whole nother thing to do when the Lord asks us to do that. I want you to stand with me. Whatever he asks you to do, it's not meant to hurt you. It is meant to help you and to help somebody else. There's something that uh, my, little, my little family went through a few years ago that my daughter has shared, so I feel like I can share it a little bit. When we were pastoring in North Dakota, um, after we moved to Great Falls, my, my youngest daughter came to me and, and to her mom, and she was crying, and she confessed something that happened to her, that our youth pastor had molested her. And my daughter at the time was about seven when we were in, in Great Falls and this had happened before. She, it broke me, broke Sharon. I mean, that's hard stuff. And, you know, I, I asked my girl, I, was, I just cried with her and I said, Danny, tell me what to do because I don't know how to help you. And if you would have told me earlier, I could have protected you. Tell me what to do. I said, do you want me to call and do you want me to call the police? And she said, yes. So I called the police. The youth pastor would end up confessing. We'd go to prison. We were hurt. And my wife and I would talk about it. And then when the prison date was getting ready to come for sentencing, and they called us from North Dakota, and they said, do you want to come? And I said, Sharon, what do you want to do? And she said, I'll leave it up to you. And I said, I think we need to go. So we got in our car, and we drove all the way over there. We sat in the courtroom. The judge was there. Youth pastor was there. Then finally they recognized us and they said, Reverend Cornelius, is there anything you want to say to this court before we, we render judgment? You and your wife. And so I said, yes. And I walked up and the guy's across. And this is a guy I've known for a lot of years. He was in my youth group. I've been his youth pastor. I've known him for a long time. 
And I told him so and so. I said, I've always loved you. I've known you since you're 10. And you hurt me. And you hurt my family. But I want you to know that no matter what, I forgive you. Because the Lord forgives me. My wife would say the same thing. He never could lift his head. He just sat there and cried. And then I said, Judge, I want to ask you if you do one thing. I'm a pastor. I believe in forgiveness. I'm going to ask if you would show him mercy. You know how easy it would have been just to say, you'll throw the book at the guy. But then God could have thrown the book at me and you. And so I asked him to show mercy. He said, Reverend, I I understand your heart and your desire in this case, but it's not up to you. Thank you for your words. They're noted. And he looked at him and he rendered judgment. I walked out of that room. It was hard. It was hard to drive all the way over there. It was hard to walk in there. But I knew that I had to do that for me. For me, not for him, for me. God knew that Jonah also had to go, not just for them, but for him, because he hated these people. Now do you see the story? There's nowhere else to go. I've met too many people whose lives are hurting with unforgiveness and brokenness. And I understand. It ain't easy. But nobody said following Jesus would be easy. Right? Nobody said. But all I've learned in my life is when I go and when I do what he asks me to do, he'll always do what he's going to do and said he's going to do. And so coming back to Montana has been so healing. It's good to be back home to my where I grew up. Two weeks ago I went hunting. I accidentally shot a deer without horns. I accidentally po- poached. I didn't mean to. I thought the trees looked like <laughs> couldn't speak. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> just had to get that out. We're in God's house. We need to get, come clean now. So we're just doing this here. <laughs> but I just, I want you to know today that there is something for each one of us in this story. Maybe you've been like Jonah running. Running from things. A relationship. Your father. A mother. A brother. A best friend. Something that needs to be fixed, that only you can fix. Or maybe the fact that a workplace, or just, I'm tired. And I realize God can send us places. But I learned something. I want to be where God wants me to be. Because it's the best place to be. Would you bow your heads? Father, I want to thank you this morning for everything that you've done throughout this day. 
I thank you, Lord, for the uniqueness, Lord God, of this morning and for all that you're doing in the lives of your people. Lord, we thank you that, Father, you've called us, you've uniquely worked in our lives and the story and the struggles and the brokenness and the recovery are all a part of what you're doing and redeeming and using to build a story of your grace that we can bring to other people. You want the world to know who you are and you want to use us as your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece, Lord God. And so, Lord, today, instead of running from that, Lord God, we embrace that, Lord God, and whatever it may be, Lord God, we're more than willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to go, Lord. I'm tired of trying to make a life my own way and just living it like knowing, knowing that I'm, I'm okay with you but just not living in obedience to you. God. I'm tired of the tension there. God, I want to follow you and go where you want me to go and be who you want me to be. Lord, use my life, oh God, to be a light and a blessing. Father, restore lost things to Jonah's in this room. Restore the calling in their lives, O oh God. Restore direction and purpose, Lord God. Bring healing to Jonah, Lord God, in this room, that one that has been broken by circumstance and the situations, Lord God, has not understood how you're working in that for their good, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, let your will be done in this house in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I promise I won't take much longer How many in this room would say, Preacher, I heard what you had to say today. And I needed to hear what you had, what God had to say to me today. And I just want you to know that. Would you put your hand up real quick? Just keep it up high. All over the room. Keep it up high. Both Lift both hands. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I love you. And I thank you for this body. I thank you for what you've done in Chris and in Russ and in the team that you've surrounded them with. I thank you, Lord God, for the stories. Oh, the stories, if we only knew the stories in this room. People who have run and fallen away and come back to you, Lord, and found this to be a haven of hope and a place of healing, Lord God. And now you're building them up, Lord, and equipping them to go back into that place and to speak to people, Lord, and bring a message of hope, Lord God. Bring a message of recovery to a lost world, oh God, and to other Jonas. God, use our lives today, God. We surrender, Lord, our life to you. Holy God, grab us and use us and mold us and make us into your glorious plan and purpose and image and we love him we thank you God and everybody said amen let's give the Lord a very good hand clap of praise for us God bless